How many people have been saved uh, a year or more? How many been people been saved five years or more? How many been saved people been saved ten years or more? Twenty or more? Thirty or more? Well, we're getting up to the old folk now. Forty or more? Been saved? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. More than forty, more than forty, more than fifty. Amen. I came to Christ when I was 12 years old. That's when I came to Jesus. I'm 70 years old. You can do the math. I've been saved a long time. My daddy was saved longer than I was saved. And I was a caregiver for my daddy for three years. And my dad told me something before he died. He said, I've learned more by just talking with you in those three years than I learned in all those years in church. That's a good thing that he learned a lot in three years of being able to just talk personally and learn something from the Scripture. But it's sad that that didn't happen in church where it could have and should have happened. Amen? Because if you don't learn anything here today, or if you think you know it well enough already that you don't need to hear it again. I had a math teacher, and I tell you about him pretty often. He really didn't like his brother, sibling rivalry, because he had spent the years necessary to become a mathematics teacher in college, and uh, his brother had spent no years in, in, in college like he did. He just had, he took chemistry in, in high school, and he went to a community college, and uh, very little time spent, got a you know, certified in, in, in a certain area of chemistry. And they hired him as a mix master at Bush Gardens when the brewery used to be there. And he was highly upset because his younger brother that didn't spend all that time in college was making way more money than he was as a teacher. And not only was he making more money, but... He had better benefits, and not only did he have more money and more benefits, on top of all of that, the math teacher had to go from time to time to refresher courses to make sure he was up to the standards that were being set in the new curriculum that was coming out. So he was, he was not only teaching, but then he was having to go back to school while his sibling was taking a cruise to the Bahamas. And that can provoke you to jealousy. And it did. And he would stand outside and he just he was just soured because he was having to do that. But the point I'm trying to make is that you need refresher courses. Because the worst thing that can happen to you is to say, I know that. I I've heard that before. Well, you need to hear it again. I want to reiterate here today, faith doesn't come by having heard at some point in your life. Faith comes by hearing. And that's why the Bible said in the book of Proverbs that you're to keep the word of God before your eyes and in your mind and not to let it depart out of your mouth. Amen. In fact, you're supposed to meditate in it day and night. You can't read your Bible through and lay your Bible down. You can't read it cover to cover and lay it down and say, well, I got it. No, you haven't got it. 
This is not like any other book in the world. I want to thank, if, if Sister Dale was here or she hears it, I want to thank her for my pop-up book. She got me some pop-up books that are so pretty I hate to make it pop up because I don't want to wear it out. But I looked at it because I used to love 3D, anything like that that just pops out. Amen. And the Bible said that, that we're, we're to stand. What is it? Psalm 1. Amen. Blessed is the man. By the way, blessed in Psalm 1 means happy to be envied. Wouldn't it be something to be so happy that people envy you? Well, when you're blessed, that's what happens. Because that's what blessed means in the Hebrew. It doesn't just mean you got blessings. It means the blessings are so evident. And it's making you so happy that other people are looking at you and saying, Wow! I told you about standing in the public's line and looking at the magazines and seeing what all the Hollywood stars are, are the messed up toe up from the flow up lives standing there in a long line and I had time to read about the Brangelina breakup Brad Pitt and Angelina and and all their trouble I had time to read about these other ones and their problems and their issues and their divorces and all of this and all of that and by the time I got up there there had been a long line and the cashier said sir I'm Thank you for your patience. I'm sorry because they had to have a price check or a check didn't go through. Some nonsense. And, and I was just reading all that junk stuff. But it made me, I got something out of it. You know what I got out of it? I told him, I said, well, I was just reading the lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> Amen. And thanking the good Lord. Amen. That, that that's not my life. Amen. I'm so, and it's not just because I'm, you know, poor and obscure. Amen. It's because I know what true riches are. And I know without peace, none of it means anything. I know that a house without love is not a home. I know that a marriage without love is a sham and a shame. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I found the, the, the true peace that God said that he would give. Amen. And I pursue it. And I have to look away from a lot of things in order to pursue it. Blessed is the man. Say it with me. Blessed is the man. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. Everybody say, happy to be envied. If you want people to ask you for the reason of your hope, let God bring you to the place that you are blessed Nobody's going to ask you while you're sad. Nobody cares, to be frank with you. Nobody's going to say, tell me about it. Because they don't want to hear about it. Because they got a boatload of that in their own life. No one's going to see you making a face in a line and say, why are you so sad? I know I don't know you, sir, but I'm just deeply concerned that you don't look happy today. Is there anything you'd like to talk about? i got plenty of time. We can go sit on the bench outside of Publix and, and, and you can tell me all about it. No, nobody cares that you're sad. But they're going to notice if you're glad. They're going to notice if you're glad. That's why the devil wants to keep you sad. Because nobody's going to ask the reason of the hope that's in you and me. And that's it's viable hope and visible hope. If they can't see it, I've had people tell me this, my, my religion is highly private. Yeah, come on, get off of it. You can't, you, can't, you can't put it under a bushel. 
Nobody knows. You, you don't light a candle to put under a bushel so nobody can see it, but you lift it high that there's light for everyone. And we are what? What are we called? The light of the world. We're the only Bible somebody's ever going to read. That's why we're called living epistles. Written and read by all men. People are reading you and me. And if they see something that they know that this world can't be giving you, they're going to, many of them are going to ask you, what is the reason? And you need to be ready in that case. But you've got to get blessed before they're going to ask. You've got to get happy to be envied before they'll even ask. But if you're happy to be envied, the Bible said, then be ready to give an account. Be ready to give an account to all men for the reason of the hope that's in you, telling you what they're going to be intrigued by, what they're going to be interested in, and why they're going to bother to ask you in the first place. Can you say amen? Be ready to give an answer. And sometimes other people will answer for you. I remember, I'm so glad I was bivocational for 12 years because I got to get out of clergy world and get out there where everybody else lives. Amen? I got to interact with people on a job, Satanists and atheists and, and phony Christians and all kinds of messed up things. <laughs> and I, I, I remember I came in on a Monday and we'd had one of them Holy Ghost Sundays. I mean, it was a Holy Ghost service. And I, I believe the residue was still on me. It had to be because it was Monday and it, we were going to have that hard start of the week. I owe. I oh, it's off to work I go. Can you say? People came in hungover. They came in with shame. I remember I worked on for Tampa Electric on a line crew, and I'll never forget it. Driving out, they had some um, married men had went out partying, met some gals in some bar, and thought they could have a one night stand. And that's the end of it. Nobody's going to find out. Pulled out to a job site. Up on Highway 60 between Plant City and Mulberry. And you know what happened? A car with two... I don't, I don't want to be mean and say ugly. But they had to be drunk. Let's put it that way. They followed them. They, they knew where they worked and they followed them out on the job. These people, they thought they could just, and they're coming in worried that their wife's going to find out. I'm going to tell you, it's so good that there's nothing for my wife to find out. It's so good not to have a skeleton in the closet. Amen. It's so good, hallelujah, to lay your head down and know, amen, and know that your sins are forgiven and that you're not bound by the devil and that you're living for, it doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that you're, you're not playing some game with God. You've got the peace of God. When a man's ways please the Lord, he's even able to make his enemies be at peace with him. If God be for us, who can be against us? Can you say, man, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Lord, blessed is the man. Blessed, happy to be envied is this man. Blessed, happy to be envied. Say it with me. Happy to be envied. We're going to just get rid of all of this. And we're just going to talk about Psalm 1 for a little while. Hallelujah. I'm not even going to turn there for time's sake. Somebody put a clock up so I could see what time it was. Thank you so much. They put a brand new battery in it. 
so it wouldn't slow down. Praise God. And I'm looking at that clock today. I can see it. Took my watch off last week with no clock. You see how well that worked out. <laughs> I can't see my watch unless I stop to look at it. And when the anointing comes, there ain't no stopping to look at nothing. But I can see that. And the time is passing. But I want to be a person that's so happy I'm to be envied. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Happy is the man that has no problems and no troubles and doesn't have anything but peace and joy. No. Happy is the man that hath Willie, you could be my interpreter. If someone ever comes and you could understand their language, he would be the perfect interpreter because he knows where they're going before they go there. Can you say, man, hallelujah. And that's what makes a good interpreter. You know where I'm going. Happy is the man. Hallelujah. Everybody do that. Happy. Come on, you know the Lord. Happy is the man that has the Lord God of Jacob for their help. He said in, in the ancient text to his covenant people, Fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not, for I will help thee. For I will uphold thee. I found out that God is right-handed in that scripture. Can you say man? I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear thou not. Glory be to God. Happy is the man that has the Lord God of Jacob for His help. I cried unto the Lord. What did He cry for? Help! Can you say, man? And He heard me. And He helped me from His holy hill. Can you say, man? Therefore I will look unto the hills from whence my help comes. For my help comes from the Lord. Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Hallelujah. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. Hallelujah. 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 You know, we need... We need a true spiritual diagnosis. We don't need some kind of crazy thing. Remember I told you the story of the man? He, he, just, he, he, was just, he was just a good for nothing. He was just sorry. And, and he told his wife, I can't work. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so tired I can't hardly get out of bed in the morning. I can't hardly walk across the floor. She said, then you are going to a doctor. You, if you can't, you going to find out what's wrong with you? Amen. And see if they can fix it. Because I need some help over here. Amen. So he finally she made him an appointment and she told him, you better show up. If I'm going to be here and cook for you and clean for you after working all day, you better show up at the doctor's office. He went to the doctor's office and they started running tests on him, stem to stern, up one side, down the other. Every kind of scan, every kind of blood test. And all he said, come back. In three weeks, and we'll have the result of all of those tests. And then we, I can diagnose what's wrong with you. And the doctor pretty much figured him out before he ran the test. Amen. And he said, sir. He said, uh, well, first the man said to the doctor, now, doctor, I want you to be straight with me. I want you to tell me everything that you found, and I don't want you to put it 
in all of that medical language. I want you to tell me flat out. The doctor said, all right, sir. We didn't find anything wrong with you. You're just plain lazy. He said, then, doc, put that in medical terms so I can tell my wife. Amen. But tell you something about your flesh and mine. Can I tell you something about your flesh and mine? Your flesh and mine is just plain lazy. Amen. When it comes to prayer, you'd be amazed how your flesh isn't into prayer. Because there's so many other things I could be doing so satisfying. To spend this time in prayer, you'd be amazed how disinterested your flesh man is in Bible study. Be much more interested in, in some soap opera scenario on television. Let not the word depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of you. Amen. I found thy word. <laughs> thy words, I did eat them. And they were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. What a difference it makes when we override this old lazy, lazy flesh and we decide not to go with the flow and forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to what we know God has purposed and God has promised and God has provided in Christ for us. We begin to press. And that's something you don't hear much about. Pressing in. Pressing in. Pressing in. Some churches don't know to press in. Their service is timed exactly. Everything is going to happen. I went to a Holy Communion service in a church that was so concerned about time, they rushed through Holy Communion. It was barely a blip. There's supposed to be a stop for a minute to focus on Jesus and the cross, but announcements had to be made and the solo had to be sung and the offering had to be taken and the 15-minute sermonette had to be delivered all within the time frame. So they gave me the glass and they gave me the cracker and before I even, I thought we were going to maybe have a, a moment to think about Jesus and I was eating it, drinking it and moving right along. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. Just got to just get through this. Make it quick. Make it convenient. Make it early enough for me that I can tee off on the golf course at 10 o'clock. Because that's where I really want to be. So you better make the church accommodate my fun. Because this is not just S-O-N-D-A-Y. This is not Sunday to me. This is fun day to me. And don't dare think that I'm going to give up any of the fun. In fact, why don't you just make church fun for me? Forget the Word of God, the worship of God. Just make it entertaining. Entertain me. Engage me somehow with all of the visible things and and the feel-good things. We've got whole ministries today just to make people feel good. Like the one man said to a pastor who asked him about 
the word and the teaching of the word and the preaching of the word and the scriptures, the place it's supposed to have in people's lives. And he, he said, he said, you know, that, that's not sexy enough for my people. And he's not talking about sexy in terms of, of sensual. Well, it is sensual, to be honest, but it's not that kind of sin. It's saying we, we are, we are a, a, a progressive church. We, we are a church that, that knows how to engage people. They come in, they come in cast down, and they need to have some fun when they get to church. If you're not blessed, you can have all the fun during that one hour and all the entertainment they can give you, but you've got to walk out in the real world with real problems and real giants in the land. Amen. I love on your website. I, I've, my wife brings it up sometimes because you've got some good stuff on there. There's a young man that tells it like it is. He tells it. It's not that he's doing a rap song, but he tells it in rhyme. And, uh, yeah, poetry. In, in poetry and in rhyme. And he tells it like a T-I-S. Can you say amen like it is? He just, young man, tell it like it is. Amen. And he's talking about this idea of going to church and going through the motions and not having any sense of personal reality in it. And I appreciate it, particularly coming from a young man. Because when I say things like that, they say, well, he's one of them old school dinosaurs. Amen. They ought to put me in Jurassic World, the next movie they make. man actually told me one time, said, Brother Venable, you're a dinosaur. I said, what? He said, that's right. You are like a dinosaur. I don't hear preaching like this anymore. And I thought, well, is it the Word of God? Is it because it's the Word of God? It's, is it because of what is not preached that's in the Word that is making me a dinosaur? Amen. If that's what it is, then... Oh! If I'm going to be a dinosaur for Jesus, I'm going to be a T-Rex. Can you say man? Glory be to God. Whoa! Amen. Amen. Because I come here to get in the Bible. Blessed is the man. I want, I want to be happy enough to be envied. People will notice. I came in on a Monday morning out there in the job, not in my office praying or studying scriptures, but out there where people are hung over, hung up, messed up, toe up from the flow up. And I had joy and I didn't realize anyone noticed. Because they're all busy. It's a shift change. One drug out, wore out shift is going home. And here comes another drug out, wore out shift coming in. I didn't even know if I was whistling a Christian song. Or just... I don't know what I was whistling. But I was whistling. And on the other side of the lockers, someone said, Who is that so happy over there? The very idea. Who is that so happy over there? Almost put off by hearing somebody happy. I mean, when is anybody ever... Was it, how many were lost before you got saved? How many ever had uh, 
too many martunis, too many martunis. How many drank too much over the weekend and how many ever had to get up and shake the cobwebs and drink black coffee and go to work hungover with a headache? And you're not happy. I hated working on a line crew with those guys because they were upset from the onset. Can you say amen? Nothing had to upset them. They were upset when they even got up and came to work. And if I didn't get something worked on the ground right, they were ready to cuss and fuss at me. Amen. And I, I'm so glad I stayed sanctified. It took the grace of God to do it. I'm little, but I'm wiry. Amen. And there's some things I'll take, and there's some things I just won't take. That's the way it is. Be angry and sin not. Amen. I didn't knock you down, so I haven't sinned. So, amen. Forgive me for the rest of it. Hallelujah. But I was tested. But they came in that way. So I came in another way, and immediately, who is that so happy over there? Someone else on the other side answered. I didn't even have to say a word. They said, that must be the Rev. When they gave us our ja jackets for four months without an accident, these little silky-looking jackets had the name of the company on it. They said, you can't use nicknames. Some people are called nicknames they don't like, and we don't want any of that workplace you know, disturbance and what have you. And everybody had their first name on it except for me. Mine said Rev. Still, I saved it as much as I didn't like that plant. I saved it because it says Rev on it. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody said, why does it say Rev on that? I said, because he's always revved up. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. They knew I was a Christian before they knew anything else. And they knew something about serving Jesus is different from serving the devil. With all of the sin and all the promises of satisfaction, he's a liar and the father of it. But Jesus said, I'll give you, if you'd ask of me, I can give you living water and you won't be there. And the best way to overcome the, the flesh's desires for fulfillment and satisfaction through sin is to get so full of what Jesus promised to give us. That we are deeply satisfied with Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And someone said, Who is that so happy over there on a Monday morning or Monday afternoon? And someone else responded, That must be the Rev. Without seeing me. I was whistling. He didn't hear my voice. That must be the Rev. He's got that deep, settled peace within. Woo! Wow. Living epistles written and read of everybody. What do they see? What does serving God really mean to them? What is it that separates us? Is it because we're so highly sanctified we don't participate in those sins? Or do we have the blessing of the Lord for serving Him and loving Him? Is it a joy instead of a job to be a Christian? They can't buy what we got. It's not for sale. That peace cannot be bought if you're a multi-billionaire. It's not for sale in any marketplace in the world. 
Satan substitutes are for sale. The cocaine's for sale. The marijuana's for sale. The beer is for sale. The whiskey is for sale. Amen? The opiates are for sale. But the peace is not for sale at any price. But Jesus said, I'll give it to you for free. Hallelujah. And it will set you apart. It will set you apart. You will be like a city set on a hill. I didn't have to witness. I just had to be a blessed, happy to be envied Christian. I didn't have to give them a tract. I was a tract. And after a while, after the shift was over, it'd be 10.30 at night, 11. Someone would say, Rev, have you got a minute? I said, sure. We're walking out to the parking lot. And follow me to my car. I'd have to get on the phone and call Pamela and say, Pamela, I'm talking to a person here about Jesus. I'll be home as soon as I can. Hallelujah. It happened many times over those years. Those, those five years that I was, those 12 years rather, that I was bivocational. No one would ask if they didn't see something that verified and validated everything that I was professing. And con- I didn't have to tell them I was a Christian. When I walked away when the dirty joke started, not out of self-righteousness, but just uh, I'll find something to do right now. I don't need to participate in this. After a while, they figured it out. When they saw the joy, they figured it out. When they sensed the peace, they figured it out. And then they began to ask me the reason for the hope that was in me. And I could tell them about Jesus. Can you say, man, hallelujah. That's the kind of witnessing. You can go out and do everything else in the world, but there's nothing like just following Jesus with joy, with enthusiasm, and even with excitement. It hadn't wore off of me yet. The devil hadn't wore me down yet. I was still basking in Sunday's glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And I got up saying, Good morning, Lord. Instead of good Lord morning. And started my day different than everybody else that's coming to work that day. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man. Everybody say happy. Starts with happy, doesn't it? If you're happy while the whole world is in the mess it's in, somebody's going to look at you and say, what is different about you? But if you're as sad and dejected and discouraged and distracted and disillusioned as they are, they're not going to ask you anything. They're not going to read your bumper sticker that says Christ is the answer and not look at the sourpuss driving. Your bumper sticker can't do all your witnessing for you. If you're happy... Notify your face. You can't be happy and look like that. Have you ever looked in the mirror on a Sunday morning? Not to check your hair or your lipstick or whatever. Have you ever checked your countenance? Have you ever looked to see who's looking back at you in that mirror? Because what's looking back at you is what everybody's going to see. 
And I don't mean paste on some phony smile. I'm saying find out what's wrong between us and God. Because happy is the man that has what? Happy is the man that has what? The Lord God of Jacob for his help. And happy is the nation. As many as look to him and come to him and trust in him. Happy is the nation. This is one of the most unhappy nations I have ever seen in my life to be filled with so many Christians. Amen. People are depressed. They're unhappy with... I, I would... Oh my goodness, I wouldn't want to be Donald Trump. Keep his money. Let somebody else be the president who they don't want to kill and tear apart. Pray for him. Pray for me. Amen. Some people don't like happy people. But they've got to deal with it. Can you say man? If you're in a hole, you want somebody to jump down in there with you? And just say, dear Lord, isn't it awful down in this hole? How are we going to get out of here? You should have thought of that before you jumped in. I thought you were going to throw me a rope. No, I, I've, I'm, I've got great compassion. I came in here to comfort you. Well, now we're both in the hole. Can you say, man, somebody needs to be on top of the hole. Somebody needs to throw somebody a rope to help somebody get out of the hole. If we all get down in the hole, we'll all have a big pity party, but we'll be in the hole. We'll stay in the hole. I love David's answer to that deep hole. He called that hole a horrible pit. Amen. When he was in depression, when he was surrounded by enemies. Listen, these were not just enemy, any enemies. This was not Goliath and the Philistines that declared enemies of the Jews that God gave him such a victory over. This was his own son. Come on, the devil knows how to... He, he know, come on, he knows how to get to you. He knows how to get to me. Amen. It was his own son, Absalom, that wanted to kill his daddy and take his kingdom. It was his own countrymen that followed his son that wanted to overthrow David and take his kingdom from him. It was his own brother that turned against him. He said if it was an enemy, I wouldn't have a problem with it. He was good at killing Giant enemies. But it was really tearing him up when it's his son, his countrymen. And he said, if it was an enemy, I could deal with it. But it was a brother. Someone I went up to the temple and worshipped with. Honey, that will cut you deep. And the devil knows it. The devil's not going to bother hitting you where you're well defended. Where it's going to bounce off. He's going to hit you at the vulnerable spots of our life. And we've got to have God's help. And God offers His help. And His help comes to, in the form of sufficient grace. Not the absence of problems or pressures, but the sufficiency of His grace. Can you say amen? Everybody say happy to be envied. Woo! Happy. To be envied. Glory to God. I had energy. I started work again. At 50 years of age. They did not want to hire me. 
They did not want to give me an interview. A man who was a friend of my son's knew I was looking for work to be bivocational. And he went to the, 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 the person who hires, the lady who hires, the PR. And he said to her, he said, listen, personal or resources, human HR, human resources. And so he said, why don't you let Mr. Venable come and have an interview? And she said, he's 50 years old. Now, I know you're not supposed to discriminate about all of that stuff. But when you're in that office and you see somebody's 50 and it's manual labor, it's not cerebral, it's manual labor. Amen. That I'm, it's a production plan. She said, he's 50 years old. And, and he told her, he said, but you haven't seen him. Amen. If you wonder if he's physically able to do the job, you've got to see him. You can't just... And back then, I was bench pressing 300. Oh, this is my pride coming out. I'll repent later. You know, you've got a power lifter in your family can bench press a Buick. And this would not impress him. But I was 164 pounds. And I was bench pressing 315 pounds pounds that's the bar and three bells on each end and if i was a football player 250 pounds i could bench press four or five hundred but i was just a little preacher amen but the joy even came in the gym people recognize the joy in the gym a professional bodybuilder took me under his wing because he saw my body and had compassion. Anyway, he, he said, he said and, and, and I had got up to where I could press 90-pound dumbbells on an incline bench like that. And when you pick up a 90-pound in one hand and a 90-pound in another hand, you, you better be seriously committed. I was seriously committed. And I was... But I came in with a good attitude. People saw I was seriously committed. They wanted to help me because I was seriously committed. If you get seriously committed, someone else who is committed will want to help you. If you come in and you're half-baked and you're not committed, no professional is going to help you. You're not committed. They ain't going to spend their time on you. If you're committed, He's going to help you. You get committed to Jesus, the Holy Ghost is going to help you. You get committed to follow Him. The Holy Ghost is going to help you. You get committed to believe Him. The Holy Ghost is going to help you. Hallelujah. He's one called alongside to do what? Give you liver shiver? Sympathize with you? No, He's called alongside to... Woo! We're going to have church in a minute. It's time to quit. Hallelujah. He's called a paraclete. One who stands in behalf of another. Comforter, one called alongside specifically to help. Hallelujah. Woo! Happy is the man, therefore, that has the Lord God of Jacob for his help. Blessed is the man. Do you get that word in the Old Covenant? Blessed, happy to be envied. That hath... That stands not in the counsel of the ungodly. Everything that stands in contrast and contradiction to God's word. 
everything that ungodly men have written, all of their wisdom, all of their counsel that they give, blessed is the man who stands not in their counsel. And watch the progression of the getting comfortable with the world and going with the flow. Blessed is the man that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly. Here's how it gets comfortable. Or walketh in the way of sinners. See, you start listening to them, you'll start behaving like them. Dr. Phil doesn't have all your psychological answers. Ophrah is not your spiritual guide. Come on, as popular as they both are. Do they do some good? They can't do me no good. Amen. Amen. Got up this morning with my mind. Stay. Oh, come on. You got it. You got it. You help me preach. This is a hard crowd. Come on. I got up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. I made up my mind to keep my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Can you say amen? I'm going to suggest to you, submit to you, that if you get up with your mind, he will, listen, he will keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Can you say amen? What kind of peace? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that standeth not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor sitteth, here's the comfortable, I'm going to put it in order. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What did they do? See, you gotta you gotta pick your you you gotta get out from under some influences and get under some influences. You gotta make some changes if you're gonna walk in this thing. Can if you're hanging out with the crowd that's always down, you you might want to consider since birds of a feather flock together, you need to hang out with somebody that's got some faith, somebody that's not gonna talk defeat day and night. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Glory be to God. Amen. So blessed is the man that that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Remember when they called Jesus and they said, Jesus, I like this seat. This is not the seat of the scornful here. Hallelujah. But this is a good seat. What did they say to Jesus? What did they say to him? When he went where the dead girl was, Jairus' daughter is dead. He said, she's not dead. She's only asleep. Because God doesn't see the finality of death when He is in control. We're the ones that see the finality. It's not final with Him unless He says it is. Hallelujah. This girl is not dead. She's only asleep. You know what they did? <laughs> she graveyard dead. Look at her fingernails. They're blue. She ain't breathing. Her heart is not beating. 
She's cold and clammy, graveyard dead, and he says she's asleep. What a loony tune. Can I tell you what the Scripture said? said they laughed him to scorn. Come on. I, 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 have talked, I have talked before to ministers about miracles. And they didn't do it out loud, but I could tell they were laughing me to scorn. And saying, that don't happen today. That can't happen now. The days of miracles are long gone. They're over. That's what they were taught. That's what they got at Bible college. They came out of Bible college without faith in God. They came out limiting God by what a professor told them. And they think they know everything there is to know because they had a, pro- a professor with all of this knowledge. Amen. Honey, you don't, he don't know all there is to know. Can you say, man, the only one that really knows all there is to know is God, and He divulges that to us by the Holy Spirit. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never entered the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love Him. But He has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. This is not about heaven. This is not about gates of pearl. John told us about that. This is about the revelation that is in the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. Preachers in Bible school without the Holy Ghost cannot comprehend. They cannot therefore apprehend. And they can't teach to others or live a life that represents what God has simply said in His Word. Hallelujah. Happy to be envied is the man that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Nor walks in the way of sinners. See the progression? Standing, getting comfortable enough to sit down with them, and then you end up going their way. You find yourself going the way of the world, going with the flow. The doctor says, you got this, there's no cure, and you immediately. We prayed for a lady that was told she had terminal cancer. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt the prognosis at all. Cancer is a killer. You kill it, it'll kill you. Amen. We prayed for her, and she was scheduled for all kinds of, they had already did a lot of things, and she's scheduled for a bunch more things. We prayed for her, and miracles were occurring. We just had a baby that was turned wrong in the womb that they were going to have to take by C-section. Lady came down for prayer. We prayed for her. My wife and I saw, and, and when I say we saw, we didn't see it. In, in, in a visible thing. We, we saw it in the Spirit. We both saw it simultaneously. I mean, I wanted to just elbow pound. Do you see that? But we didn't talk about it until after it was over. After the Because I, I blurted out, I saw that baby turn around just then. Well, it's either turned around or didn't. I mean, you know, you can say you see anything. I saw it. I had it in the, God showed me that baby flipped just like that to where it could be born normally. And after the prayer, my wife said, I saw it too. I said, you saw it? She said, yeah, but I didn't see it, but I saw it. <laughs> I said, well, then you saw it in the Spirit like I saw it. But here's the good news. A week later, she came back and said, ain't going to be no C-section. Doctor said, somehow or another, that baby done turned around. Hallelujah. I said, I saw it. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Blessed is the man. <laughs> that made me kind of happy. Can you say amen? That stands not in the counsel of the ungodly. That sits not in the seat of the scornful. People that don't laugh. When you tell them God can do anything. Hallelujah. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and He will be forever. I'm talking about Christian brethren. I'm not talking about the gainsaying world. I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Jesus that just don't believe that God is and He's a rewarder anymore. Got a lot of blue cross, blue shield, but know nothing about the shield of faith. Faring no better than the world when the trouble comes because we can't receive help from God because we don't have faith in God. And we go to churches that don't teach us. In fact, teach us the opposite. If you're in a church that teaches the days of miracles are over, you're in a church that need not pray for you. By the way, they need not pray for the building fund either. Because a miracle is a supernatural intervention in the normal course of human affairs. And if God supernaturally moves on someone to make a big donation, that's a miracle and you can't have it. Amen. But there's no problem believing God to build that tabernacle, to build that family worship center. Can you say, man, the only time it stops is when his temple comes for prayer. Amen. And our bodies are what? His temple. And I believe he wants to, not just us to keep it holy. I believe God wants to keep us healthy. If I didn't believe that, I would have died of the stroke or been so disabled I couldn't preach today. By the way, I don't need to sit in this chair, but it is kind of nice. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Charles Stanley can be still. I can't. I get too excited. And I've got a reason to be excited. Because I want what other people don't have anymore. You're... Anyone with lack of enthusiasm, God, give it to me. Give me a double portion so that I can be a witness for you at 70 years of age. Hallelujah. Praise God. It'll energize your body. Amen. When I went in with joy, I outworked young people. Not to prove something, but just the fact that I was energized by joy. Amen. If you don't have joy, you don't have strength. And it doesn't matter how big your arms are. No fortitude. Blessed is the man that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor walks in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, in which he meditates how often? Day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by a river. <laughs> Glory to God. He won't even see when the drought comes. He don't have to look at the weather report and see if it's going to rain or he's going to shrivel up and die. Because his roots are by a river and the water in the river is always flowing. Can you say man? And he ceases not. <laughs> Glory to God. He ceases not from yielding his fruit. And whatever he puts his hand to. 
Oh, come on, church. Wake up just a little while longer. I'm almost through. Amen. Whatever he puts his hand to, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with thy might. Do everything you do to the glory of God. Do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Do not expect to be rewarded of men when you do it. Don't do it as with our service as men pleasers, but do it as unto the Lord, for thou shalt be rewarded by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! 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 I'd rather be me in this pulpit than Trump in his office. I'm far better off. I know I'm a lot happier. Amen? I don't have a trophy wife. I have a Christian wife, and she's my trophy. (laughs) Hallelujah. But I didn't marry her to compliment me. I married her to complete me. Can you say amen? And we're getting ready to celebrate 54 years of marriage. When marriages among ministers are failing as much as anybody else's. Because ministers without God's help can't keep the victory. Regardless of their anointing, appointing, education, it takes God's help. It takes God's help. And the Holy Ghost is called what? The paraclete. One called alongside to sympathize or empathize. No, one called alongside specifically to help. Has He got the power to do it? You better believe it. Is He purposed to do it? Yes, He is. Is He with you? Oh, yes, He is. That's how Jesus keeps the promise to never leave you nor forsake you because He sent another one like Himself, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. And He shall be with you and He shall be within you and He shall abide with you forever. I will go with you all the way even unto the end of the age. You won't have one step without my help. How many have seen the sentimental to buy it at the Christian bookstore footprints? Footprints. Isn't that neat? I wish I'd thought of that and embroidered it on, had Pamela embroider it and put it in a frame and sold it for 150 bucks in the Christian bookstore. People grabbed a hold of it because they've all been where that guy was. Lord, I was walking on the beach, heavy laden. I'm, I'm ad-libbing to it. take a lot more thread if I did it. But anyway, amen. have said for 200 bucks. Amen. He's walking on the beach. He's heavy laden. He's beat down. He's toe up from the flow up. And he's wondering why God has forsaken him. And he's looking down. And he said, I figured it out. There it is. There's only one set of footprints. He's not with me. He promised never leave me, but I only see one set of footprints. And God answers and said, that's right. There is only one set of footprints. And he said, then how are you with me if there's only one set of footprints? And Jesus says, because I'm carrying you. Because through that trial, when you felt abandoned, I was carrying you. The promise of help is a biblical, ironclad, irrefutable promise. The people that will look unto God so He can help them, so they're not toe up from the flow up as Christians. 
You say, Brother Bimber, you don't know what I went through. If he's helping you, it just doesn't matter what you went through. Brother Venable, you don't know what I'm going through, but the Holy Spirit has enough power, enough love, enough grace, enough mercy to help you. If God can't help you, then God help you. If we're no different than the world about us, if God can't help you, you know God, He loves you, He's made personal promises to you, He sent you the Holy Spirit. And He can't help you. Come on, church. He can't. He's irrelevant. I'm bearing this alone. No, you're not. And then again, maybe you are. Beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt went into Canaan's land. Amen. How often did they provoke him in the wilderness? He wanted to help them. That's why he brought them out. Brought them out to bring them in. How often did they provoke him in the wilderness? What upset God because they wouldn't believe him so he could help them? Did he, I got to hurry. I'm almost done. Did anybody ever watch a movie? Did you ever see a movie that I'm not suggesting necessarily you watch? I don't know the language. I don't know the rating. But they had it, you know, where they bleep it on television if something said bad. The movie about the football star, we're here. Is this Super Bowl Sunday? It is. Okay. I don't even know. Oh, yes, I do know who's playing. I just know it's not the Bucks, so it won't be too bad a game. <laughs> and the spread isn't that big. Three-point spread. It's, you know, give and take. Anyway. This guy, is, he, he has an agent, Tom Cruise. you remember it? Tom Cruise is the agent for this football star to get him the best deals and the biggest salaries. Problem is, the football star is typical goof-off, goof-up, foul-up, mess-up, put it in jeopardy, all the money he could be making from his talented abilities. And, and the agent is supposed to... Look over all of that and keep getting him these big deals. And his agent, Tom Cruise, is frustrated. You know, you can frustrate the grace of God. Did you know that you can, you can upset him by not letting him help you? And, and here's the famous line in that movie. Does anybody remember it? Nobody but me into that. You're highly spiritual people. I'm surprised I remember it. Can you say, man? Tom Cruise gets upset with him, slams him up against the wall. I'm not going to do that to anybody here today. Don't worry. And says, because I'm 70 years old, you could hurt me. And you know what he said? What I feel as a pastor many times down through the years. Help me help you. Help me help you. If you won't listen to me, if you won't cooperate with me, if you won't make some changes in your life, I can't help you. And you can't keep blaming me, so please help me help you. The most dramatic moment in the movie. 
And you know what God said to Israel and saying to us today? Help me help you by believing me, by not turning back, by not looking back, by not looking at your circumstances. Help me help you. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness? Yea, they turned back and limited and limited Psalm 78 and limited the Holy One of it. Can you imagine what God would have done and what He did do with the next generation that didn't limit Him? He took them in. He gave them the land. It was a 40-day journey from Egypt to Canaan. And it took them 40 years to get there. Am I telling you the truth today? Is that Bible today? Is God saying to them, help me help you. Don't sit in the wilderness and complain. Don't sit out there and accuse me of unfaithfulness. Wow. So if God gets frustrated, I'm going to feel a little of that sometimes. Help me help you. Help me help you. Help me help you. Amen? Help me help you. God is saying it over top of me this morning. I want to help you. I want to lift you out of that place you're in. I want to take you out of your complacency. I want to take you out of of your quickness to stand in the counsel of the ungodly. To spend more time. More time. Seeing what the world has to say about things than what I have to say in my word. And then wonder why your faith is inoperable when the time comes. More time watching television. God's not saying don't watch TV. He's saying don't let it consume you to where the word of God is not meditated in consistently. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm not going to ask how many people, if you miss a service, listen to the service at home. I don't want to embarrass anybody, and I know most of the answers. It's a rhetorical question. We can't be on the same page with a lot of folk. Because they don't know what they missed. (laughs) They don't know what page we're on. The website's got it. People are listening in New York City. Amen? So how can we teach step by step? How can we continue to bring a whole congregation up instead of just a few people that are dedicated enough to want to know? I love this lady. We, we, there was a Bible study announced. And uh, somehow or another it got canceled and you didn't get the message. So I showed up. Because I knew somebody might not have got the message. And you showed up. And we were the only two that showed. And you know what we should have done? We should have had a Bible study. I looked back on that and said, we, if somebody came hungry. <laughs> if somebody come hungry. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Give me hungry people. Help me help you. Can you say, man, help me help you. Help me help you. The world is consuming our time. Consuming our talents. Amen. The world has our focus most of the time. We're standing in the counsel of the ungodly. 
we're going to get so comfortable with that, we're going to sit down with them and sit in the seat of the scornful. And we're going to get so comfortable in that seat that we're going to find ourselves walking in their way, walking in the way of sinners. (laughs) But if our delight is in the law of the Lord, we're going to walk to the beat of a different drummer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And she showed up and she said, Brother Vimble, are we the only two? I said, yeah, they canceled the Bible study, so we're not having it tonight. She said, well, you know, I don't always come back to Sunday night. But I came tonight because I want some more. I want some more. Wouldn't it be great, Brother Taylor? Wouldn't it be great if this place filled up with people that want some more and to people that say, I got all I need and all I want? Ain't no mo. Yeah, there is mo. Can you say, man, there's a whole lot mo. Glory be to God. When your delight is in the law of the Lord, somebody opens a Bible, you get on point. Hallelujah. Amen. You, you're, you perk up. <laughs> I want to receive something. I want to get some. Did you get the principle last week? Amen. About God's provision and our application of His supply. People that were not here didn't get it they don't know where we're coming from from last week we're not going further we're having to try to try to bring people and we never know how that's going to work but when spiritual hunger it will become something as the heart (sighs) pants after the water brooks (sighs) my soul (sighs) pants after thee oh god what's going to happen What's going to happen? What's going to happen when that happens? Amen. You're going to put God first. You're going to put His Word in priority. Your faith is going to grow exceedingly. Your love for one another is going to abound. You're going to bear up under your trials and your tests. You're going to be just like the church at Thessalonica. Glory be to God. But if you're not spiritually hungry, you'll look for the entertainment every time. You'll look for the choir to entertain you, the preacher to entertain you, You'll, you'll look for a service that doesn't get in the way of your personal pleasure on Sunday instead of your spiritual growth. And the church of Jesus Christ in America was described by a missionary from Africa that came here for the first time. And he said, I see the church in America as the next great mission field. Because he said, I don't see the commitment to Jesus Christ in the services and when people go out into their life. I don't see it. I don't sense it. I miss it from where I'm from. He said, in my opinion, the church in America is like a river a hundred miles long and one inch deep. It looks like a lot of water, but it really isn't. Can that be proven? How relevant is the churches to making a difference in families and lives right here this morning? What is happening? What is really happening? What's happening to our young people? Amen. That have their own music and their own worship service and their own style. Are they committed, dedicated followers of Jesus? Are they just having a good time at church and running with the world the rest of the week? Are they happy? To be a Christian. 
are they picking their friends from people who will help them on their spiritual journey? Are they picking their friends who will uh, accept them into their club and their clique and wanting to please the world more than please God? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And so where do you find them on Sunday? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You find them pursuing pleasure. And what's going to be the end of this? When our children get on their own. And we're not there to help kind of push them. If they don't have anything in themselves. I got saved. Saved at 12 years old. I got saved at 12 years old. And I didn't have to have anything special. Just let me get to God's house. Just let, I didn't understand all the Word, but I felt so good when it was preached. Can you say, man, I was hungry. And blessed are they. Again, blessed. There's the blessing. Who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. And God filled me. And it filled me with the Holy Spirit and then called me to preach the gospel. And that's why I'm standing here today. Would you stand to your feet? Hallelujah.